a roundup of the main business news from China and elsewhere. This is Global Business. From headquarters of CGTN here in Beijing, this is Global Business on Digital. Coming up on the program, China releases white paper on governance of Shizong and its plans to boost the region's development. The China International Import Expo concludes with over 100 cooperation agreements and 600 intensive cooperation agreements. And the Financial Street Forum also concludes with China emphasizing that finance is meant to serve the real economy, addressing 400 financial executives from over 30 countries. Over the past decade, the economy of China's Shizong Autonomous Region has demonstrated robust growth, as highlighted in a white paper released by the State Council on Friday. From 2012 to 2022, the region's gross domestic product surged by 128 percent, reaching 213 billion yuan, or about 30 billion U.S. dollars, with an average growth rate ranking at the forefront among all provinces in the country. Shizong's strong economic performance can be attributed to ongoing improvements of its industrial structure and internal economic dynamics. The region has successfully established a modern industrial system with distinctive local characteristics, leading to a 177% expansion in industrial output from 2012 to 2022. In terms of foreign trade, Shizong engaged with 95 countries and regions in 2022, with a total foreign trade volume reach 4.6 billion yuan, over 600 million U.S. dollars. The China International Import Expo offers not just a valuable opportunity for countries around the world to present their products in the Chinese market, but also serves as a platform for various provinces and regions within China to highlight their unique local specialties, explore potential avenues for growth. Zhao Xuetong provides more insights on this. Craft beer, wolfberry, herbal incense. This are just a few of the items that are on display at this year's CIE, and they are all from China's Shizong Autonomous Region. We didn't expect so many buyers. Even samples are snapped up so quickly. Forests and grasslands occupy large parts of the Shizong Region. That makes agriculture one of its cornerstone industries. Before our products were sold by individual farmers, they can only offer them in small quantity because all these products have a very short shelf life. But now, thanks to the pairing up program with Shanghai, a complete production and sales channel has been set up, and more consumers can have a taste of the Shizong flavor. Another important source of revenue for Shizong is tourism. The Patala Palace, a religious landmark, and the Chumalama. Attract millions of tourists from across the world every year, but starting this year, a new trend has emerged. Nowadays, a growing number of travelers prefer to visit countryside and stay at rural houses, avoiding city noise and embracing natural beauty. That has greatly helped improve the livelihood of local residents. Government data shows that rural areas in Shizong attracted more than 12.7 million tourists in 2021, generating 1.6 billion yuan in revenue and creating 64,500 jobs for farmers and herders. Analysts say as China opens wider to the outside world, 
more growth opportunities are waiting to be tapped in the region. Du Zhongyan, Zhao Xuetong, CGTN, Shanghai. More discussion on the Shizhong development white paper released by the State Council. We are joined by Chu Qiang, a research fellow at the Beijing Foreign Studies University. Thank you for joining us. How can Shizhong take advantage of local resources and trades to maintain fast growth? What we know about Shizhong is its uh, farming and tourism. Uh, what else? Uh, what else industries can it develop? Well, Jinfeng, everybody when they talk about Shizhong, probably in their impression is a very mysterious place, very, very far away, and、uh, very high up in there. But if you go to Shizhong, you probably will change your impression, like what I did、uh, last time when I was in Shizhong. I found those places have more people than you're expected, and also、mm. they have more listed companies per capita than also you expected and imagined. And the price there is really, really high. And a lot of people saying, well, <laughs> Shizhong probably are very famous for you know agriculture industry, or livestock raising, as well as As a tourism, right, and a culture industry. But you have to know there, one of the biggest industry there is mining industry, especially、mm. you know with renewable energy has been developing really fast. They have the white gold, which is a lithium mine, as well as they have the hydropower, really really rich resources with uh, uh, the Yaluzhong River region, as well as they have very good resources in the uh, uh, traditional Chinese medicine or Xizang medicine.、Mm. Uh, also, they have some other industries. So this can contribute to the Real growth point in the new period of time. Very interesting. How can Shizhong attract foreign investment because it's landlocked and boost foreign trade? Well, number one, I think、uh, Shizhong used to be a further way, a further way place, but right now we have the Shizhong、uh, Railway. We have Qingzhang Railway really linked Shizhong to the inner part of the China and to the coastal region、uh, directly further. And also,、uh, I think all the national policies, of,、uh, you know, favorable policy towards the foreign investors, also apply to Shizhong. I think the recent government. And, you know, policies really made that very, very clear. And by this year, I think Shizhong has already seen like 30% more in the foreign investment. They actually been using、uh, 20 billion of the uh, uh, foreign investor this year.、Mm. Lots of international brands actually been investing in Shizhong. For example, the beer company Casper, and also we know、uh, that the Botswana is also trying to invest in Shizhong because they have the best water, you know, from not from the、uh, mountain glacier、mm-hmm. to build their、uh, beer factories in there. So I think、mm. more and more investors will come. Very interesting. Thank you so much for your insight. Mr. Chu Qiang, research fellow from Beijing Foreign Studies University. Now to our special coverage of the CRRE. This event provides an outstanding opportunity for foreign companies to enter the Chinese market and leverage advantage of the country's development. The CRRE has established itself as a crucial platform for China to transit from a traditional exporter of goods to a demand-driven, service-led, digitally-powered economy. My colleague Michael Wang is standing by in our studio in Shanghai's Bond to wrap up our comprehensive coverage. On the final day of the event, and welcome everyone to our special coverage of the sixth China International Import Expo. Now, as Jim Feng mentioned, today marks the final day of the CIIE. This year's CIIE is the largest ever. Over 400 new products, technologies, and services were unveiled. Now, as the first CIIE post-pandemic, participants to the opening ceremony nearly doubled. In this year's CIIE, also saw the U.S. government participating for the first time at the federal level. Now, on the final day of each year's Import Expo, the event tallies up the numbers in terms of total intended deal values and more. Our Wang Tianyu is here with this year's CIIE results. 
Hi there, Tammy. So what are the highlights from this year's Import Expo? Well, Michael, first of all, as you mentioned, the most important data of the CIIE, the worth of tentative deals for one-year purchase of goods and services, was just released an hour ago, and it is 78.41 billion U.S. dollars. And the number is record high. It is 6.7% higher uh, from that of last year. And now as the Expo is concluding, as you can see, people are gone. And let me brief you what was happening in the last several days. Uh, this annual import expo has attracted 3,486 enterprises to come to the event. And they are from 128 countries and regions. And 289 of them are Fortune Global 500 companies. They were here to show their products and services to the Chinese buyers and sign contracts with the Chinese punters. From November the 5th, as I stepped into the huge venue, I have seen so many enterprises coming to the CIIE every year since it began in 2018. And I have seen global businessmen shaking hands and signing contracts with each other. And I have also seen many audiences trying out the latest technological products here. And one thing I want to mention is that uh, a major part of this year's expo focuses on consumer products. And I was eager to know how much confidence those foreign consumer products manufacturers have on Chinese market. And take a look at this report. China's consumption is critical to its economy. At the CIIE, overseas consumer products manufacturers are showing their confidence on China's consumer market through their actions. Japanese casual wear retailer Uniqlo has opened over 40 new shops in China so far this year. As a four-time CIIE exhibitor, Uniqlo has again brought its trendy designs and latest fiber techniques to the expo this year, as they have noticed their Chinese customers put more value on quality and functions. China is the second largest economy globally and serves as Uniqlo's second largest market. We have great confidence in the Chinese market due to its huge middle-class population, as well as its increasingly open business environment and emphasis on innovation. These factors present new opportunities for our future growth. Danish dairy company Arla Foods has been in the Chinese market for more than a decade. But the strong buying power of Chinese consumers still often surprised them. Um, we brought it over to China to do a test. It sold a hundred times higher than the target that we set. And we were stunned by the sale. Arla Foods has never upset any session of the CIIE in the past six years. The platform has helped the company better understand its Chinese customers' preferences. We recognize that Chinese consumers are very different to European ones. Some needs will be very similar to European ones, but some aren't. So it's finding that balance of which products will work or which products we need to do Chinese flavors of or, or change for the Chinese market. The dairy producer said it maintains its standards for quality high everywhere in the world and will keep itself firmly rooted in China. And speaking of consumer goods, a global consumer goods giant Unilever has now attended every single CIIE. For more, I'm joined by Jasmine Dong, head of communication and corporate affairs of Unilever North Asia. Jasmine, welcome to the program. Thank you for joining us. Nice to meet you. So six years in a row for Unilever at the Import Expo. Jasmine, what is Unilever highlighting at this year's event? 
Yeah, actually SAE is a remarkable platform for international trade and global cooperation. So this year, I can see the overall scale has reached new heights. Mm. And actually, we are quite excited to meet some old friends, also collaborate with some new friends as well through this platform. And also, through CIE, I firmly believe um, this uh, promising market has uh, driven the vitality into the fast-moving consumer goods sector. Yeah. And the Unilever, as you mentioned, has already participated in CIE for six consecutive years. And uh, this year is quite unique because 2023 actually remarks 100 years anniversary of Unilever China. Wow. So I really want to highlight something with you. Like for the overall booth design, actually um, we took some inspiration from one century long journey and also create a time train for people interaction. So people can just know what's our history, also know how our products could accompany people's daily life. Yeah. And also, um, as you may know already, Unilever has five business, including personal care, home care, also beauty and well-being, uh, nutrition, ice cream. So in addition to uh, more than 100 new products exhibited on our booth, and we're also quite proud to announce one new product, one new brand named Neutrophil. It's a higher well-being brand. Yeah. Yes, quite echoes the current market trend, the big house. And also we introduce more innovations from other brands like Dove, like Lux, like Vaseline, etc. Yeah. So yeah, I'm thinking, I anticipate the SIE will continuously to play a critical role for globalization. Yeah. And also, I look forward to seeing more um, ongoing success of SIE and also the opportunities they bring to us, especially for our multinational company like Unilever. We could bring more innovations from global market to Chinese consumers. Yeah. And besides showcasing products uh, at your booth at the CIIE, Jasmine, you're also highlighting elements when it comes to corporate social responsibility mm. as well, right? So what is Unilever doing on the CSR front here in China? Yeah, thank you for this very nice question. <laughs> yeah, for um, this question, I have to mention that we have been um, dedicated to more than only business growth. Actually, social responsibility is our core value. We are truly uh, making great efforts to making positive impact to the society. So. Up to now, we have already um, contributed to more than 300 HOPE project initiatives, also offering the training to more than 6,000 teachers, mm. also benefiting more than 1 million students as well. And also, besides that, I think it's a very important thing for us is every year in the past five years, we introduce many, many in in innovations from global market and also collecting the feedback from consumers, local consumers at first hand. So actually, we have many products already being uh, innovated locally. This also helps us to strengthen our R&D and innovation capabilities as well. Yeah. So I'm thinking, yeah, as always, this year during CIE, we had many fruitful and constructive uh, collaboration discussion with our partners, industry players, and I truly believe this kind of future collaboration will benefit our mutual success. Well, Chinese consumers, I feel, Jasmine, are growing ever more discerning by the day. So for an FMCG company, if you can succeed in the China market, I think you can succeed anywhere. Jasmine, we're going to leave it there. Many thanks for your thoughts on all of that. Jasmine Dong, Head of Communications and Corporate Affairs at Unilever North Asia. Thank you, Jasmine. Thank you. Well, an interesting number of young people in China are placing a greater emphasis when it comes to health, wellness, and nutrition. Findings from a study by Xinhuanet reveal that this boost in health and wellness is being placed by people from the age of 18 to 35. Our Hu Binyi has more. The younger generation is placing an ever-growing emphasis on wellness and health. 
This shift in focus is driving a surge in health-conscious consumption, and the Norwegian biotech company spotted this potential in China. We see a very health-conscious market in China with consumers of all ages. Uh, we just talked about uh, the younger generation being very health-conscious, but also we see great opportunities in healthy aging with a growing aging population that also needs uh, supplementation to support their well-being. According to official data for the first half of 2023, China was among the top five countries trading with Norway, with imports reaching almost 50 billion U.S. dollars. The CIIE is offering this uh, platform because this is focusing on imports to China, right? That means exports for us. And Chinese economy, as it is picking up, as we can see here, lots of people. Um, of course, the Norwegian uh, company, the companies would like to be part of, uh, of this uh, huge opportunities that the Chinese market is, is offering. Besides a strong focus on personal health and well-being, China's younger generation is also investing in pet nutrition products, and the company saw a business opportunity from the growing trend. Hu Binyi, Wang Jiayi, CGTN. Whether it's about your education, the home you live in, or the items you buy, your money has a story to tell. Because every business story is a human story. Global Business. And global businesses are now ramping up their investments here in China, strategically capitalizing on the booming consumer upgrading trend. Now, taking center stage at this year's CIIE, companies are working to meet the rising demands of Chinese consumers for an elevated quality of life. Our Yubo Kun has more. China remains a critical market for international consumer brands. At this year's CIIE, global companies are actively participating to further penetrate this vast market and cater to the evolving preferences of Chinese consumers. Many have unveiled their most impressive product. Uh, I think this has to be one of the most exciting lineups we've ever had at any CIIE. And it's based on our off-road SUVs and trucks and also our on-road performance vehicles, Ford Bronco. It's the hardcore, versatile uh, SUV vehicle uh, that we will be bringing to China in the uh, second quarter of next year, and also localizing here uh, for, our, for our Chinese customers. The swift evolution of China and the escalating demands of consumers make it entirely sensible for foreign companies to view China as their second home. So China plays in different areas, plays with different rules, place with different products, with different consumer needs, with different consumer habits. Yeah. So to really understand it, you need to have a local strong organization in place. Yeah. So for sure, it makes sense to have a sort of second home here to really promote a strong and local on-the-site experience and understanding. Yeah. While consumer spending has constantly played a crucial role in propelling China's economic growth, in a recent update, the IMF revised its 2023 economic growth projection for China, attributing it to a notable increase in consumer activity. Acknowledging this trend, many global giants are amplifying their commitment in this market to strengthen their financial performance. I'm in a lucky position, you see. Um, yeah. Our business, and especially in nutrition, is growing year on year by 100%. Even more, 2022, we had a 200 billion yuan business in, in China overall. And uh, the part where we are in uh, right now and at the stage in China from, from the revenue perspective and mm. from the reach to the customers, it's just a small portion. The Chinese market is so huge, we can still grow. So I, I do not really fear any economic breakdown because the Chinese market is too strong. It's too big. 
the retail sector in China rebounded during the initial three quarters. Earlier statements from the officials indicated that the contribution rate of consumption to economic growth surpassed 80 percent. Yu Bokun, CGTN. And joining me now in the studio is our Ho Jing, who's been covering the CIIE for us all week. Let's get her take on her observations at the Import Expo. Jing, welcome to the program. So there's been a few records huh, set at this year's CIIE. Tell us more about these. Yes, Michael. Uh, I believe you have seen in, in the venue. So the CIE, China International Import Expo, is actually the first national expo in the world focusing on import. So many records, as you mentioned, have been made uh, during this uh, the sixth CIE. So for example, uh, more than uh, 3,400 uh, exhibitors from 154 countries and regions or organizations have uh, attended the conference, attend the venue, um, and also over 100 uh, Fortune Global 500 and also industrial leaders attended um, the conference, uh, attended the, uh, the expo. This sends a very clear message that we will continue investing in China. So uh, that is from the macroscopic views. So uh, I will also like to give you some microscopic uh, views. For example, um, so uh, one of the highlights during this year's CIE is the um, uh, uh, one uh, fully uh, made in China electro vertical takeoff and landing. Uh, also, short uh, is uh, eVTOL, eVTOL aircraft. Uh, unveiling itself during this year's CIE. Also, the company um, Vertaxi signed an agreement with uh, U.S. top player uh, Empire to uh, integrate the uh, advantages of both sides to explore more opportunities in the global market. And also from the uh, other side, uh, from the uh, less developed regions and countries, uh, one of my interviewee from Africa, he told me that um, before the first CIE, which was in uh, 2018. So um, the number of staff in this company was only four, uh, 40. But now for the sixth CIE, he told me that the number of his staff in the company reached over uh, 2,000. So that, that is a huge jump. So and also, um, we can see that uh, there is a huge change, uh, no matter from the m microscope or from the micro, uh, macroscope. Yeah. Well, I saw that eVTOL you were talking about. It's very cool because you start with, I guess, automobiles, right? Smart, intelligent cars, and then you go down the road and you see the future of mobility. So perhaps not that far down the road, we can see and experience this electric uh, takeoff, yeah. vertical takeoff and landing vehicles. Pretty cool yeah, um, the, here the, at the, the CIA. The fictional like, scenes may happen in the, in the reality very soon in the future. Yeah. The aircraft may take, um, so change the two to three hour drive now maybe it just take 30 minutes yeah. in the air. Our Ho Jing for us talking about the CIIE, and that will do it from our, our Shanghai studio. Stay tuned to CGTN as we continue our coverage of the final day of the 6th China International Import Expo. Jin Feng, it's back to you in Beijing. Now back to Beijing, the three-day Financial Street Forum concludes today. The forum has been witnessing a slew of cooperation agreements and inclusive financial dialogue. Michelle Vandenberg is at the conference. Michelle, what do you have for us on the last day of the forum? Thanks very much, Junfeng. It is the last day of the Financial Street Forum 2023. Now, the three-day event was aimed at creating a benchmark for China's financial reform and development and promoting openness, cooperation, and win-win results on the global financial stage. 
As we know, the world economy is facing multiple challenges with global high interest rates weighing on emerging markets especially. Global financial markets are also facing many challenges such as elevated inflation and high interest rates among many others. The conference discussed ways to mitigate financial risks, increase financial regulations, promote financial openness and cooperation between countries. And it also discussed how the financial sector can better contribute to global economic recovery. The, uh, the closing ceremony this afternoon themed at strengthening financial cooperation towards a bright future is happening right now as we speak. Ten major achievements at the Financial Street Forum was just released. Earlier today, I spoke to IMF Senior Resident Representative in China, Stephen Barnett. He talked to me about IMF's outlook of the global economy, the major challenges facing the world economy, and the reasons behind IMF's recent update of China's growth forecast. I think the first thing when we look at the global economy, I think of one word, which is resilient. And it's good to be resilient, but actually if you look up resilient in the dictionary, one of the meanings is the ability to recover well from misfortune. The second point is when we look at the outlook, and the chief economist of the IMF said the global economy is limping along, not sprinting. You know, and what do we mean? If we look global growth, and our latest forecast goes from 3.5% last year, 3% this year, 2.9% next year. These are not really strong outcomes. First, compared to the average mm -hmm. for the two decades before the pandemic, that was 3.8. So 3 is not that good. A lot of scarring in the global economy, meaning output is well below the pre-pandemic levels, or the trend level. If you think about it, usually when there's a shock, mm -hmm. you grow faster afterwards to catch up. So instead of growing faster, we're actually falling further behind. And in the, the third point uh, on the outlook is that even if you look in the medium term, and for the IMF, medium term is five years, it's the lowest forecast we've had for five years out since the 1990s. So we also forecast medium term growth at 3%. You know, what changed? You know, we just published our forecast in late October, but you know, one thing changed is just this week, we increased our forecast for China's growth. In particular, for this year, we increased it by 0.4 percentage points to 5.4%. And for next year, we also increased by 0.4 percentage points from 4.2 to 4.6. So we see growth in China this year at 5.4, next year at 4.6. And you know, if you do the math, that means that this year, China is going to account for around one-third of global growth. Could you elaborate a little bit on the increase in your forecast in China this year and next year? What's behind that increase? I think there's two big factors behind the increase. You know, one is the data. I think the Q3 data was a bit stronger than we had been expecting, so that mechanically is going to raise our forecast. Mm -hmm. And then the, the policy environment. We have seen the government announce the $1 trillion, uh, and new uh, bonds that can be used to increase activity both this year and next year. So it's those two factors together that uh, lead to the upgrade. We'll wrap up this edition of Global Business. I'm Jojo Fung. Bye for now.